Grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for this morning is 1 Corinthians 15, verses 50 to 58. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be all changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. In the name of of the Father, our King and Leader, He who had not elected, but rather who has elected us to eternal life by the sacrifice of His Son, dear fellow redeemed. This past Tuesday was election day when senators, representatives, governors, state attorneys all promised the same thing, change. If you watched any of the coverage coming up to this week, you probably heard similar rhetoric, no matter which candidate you were listening to, and probably went something like this. I'm sick of the way things are going. There's too many bad things and not enough good things. When I'm elected, I'm going to change all those bad things and make them good. Now that may uh, not be the most expiring way to uh, generalize it, but... uh, And that might not be actually what they said, but these people don't get to Capitol Hill or the governor's mansion just because they have a great smile or deep pockets or a robust resume. The big reason they land themselves in positions of power is because they know what people want to hear. They know that people want things to change. The problem is that change usually takes quite some time. Even though the United States passed a bill declaring war on Japan about four hours after the attack on Pearl Harbor, it took, 20, it took the 27th Amendment of the Constitution over 200 years to pass. Bureaucracy moves slowly, and so change does come slowly. Moreover, human government is completely powerless to bring any change to the things that matter most. If you're dying, they can't pass a bill to save you. If you're sinful, the president can't make an executive order to give your souls forgiveness. This is a change that can only be brought about by Christ. And we learn in our text for today that he does all things well and does not drag his feet when it comes to our hope in the resurrection. 
And so our theme for today is Christ brings immediate change. He brings immediate change to our bodies on the last day, and he brings immediate change to our attitude every day. May the Spirit bless our meditation today. One of the most obvious problems that we humans face in life is our own mortality. Ever since the fall into sin, the idea of one's own departure from this world has been a continuous stream of anxiety and uncertainty for the individual and a stream of grief and sorrow for those of us who remain when a loved one passes away. For this reason, we have silently, as a society, agreed to do everything in our power to insulate ourselves from the idea of death. Like a student procrastinating on a master project the night before, most people are just fine to live out their lives without a thought toward death until the Lord brings them face to face with it. So instead of waiting until we lie on our deathbed, let's look right now to see what God's word has to say about death and what comes after. Paul writes in verse 50 of our text, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. And again in verse 56, The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. God tells us why all men die. The sting of death is sin. We all must die because all men are sinful. We could tell if there was someone who wasn't sinning because they wouldn't die. But the strength of the sin, the law, shows us that we have all sinned and broken God's commandments. So, unless Christ returns in, in judgment first, we can't change the fact that death comes to us all eventually. It is written in Romans 5 verse 12 that... Through one man, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. This world is temporary, and we're in it. That's not going to change. But what about eternity? Paul says, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. As we are, unaided by God, we cannot enter paradise. This is not something that we have the power to change because God requires incorruption and perfection, not just less corrupt than others. Not within acceptable parameters of corruption given the circumstances of your life, total incorruption is required to en enter the eternal incorruption and in immortality in heaven. This is where Christ has brought us immediate change for us. Now, the plan for our salvation was crafted in eternity and brought about thousands of years ago. Hardly seems immediate. And yet, people of every age have called on the name of the Lord for immediate salvation. Those in the Old Testament were looking ahead to the promise of the Messiah, and those in the New Testament we're looking back at Christ's fulfillment of that promise. When Christ had suffered all, he immediately declared, it is finished, changing our debt from red to black, our temporal rags to heavenly riches. When infants 
are brought to God through the sacrament of baptism, they are immediately changed and cleansed of every sin for Jesus' sake and adopted into God's family of faith. When a saint dies on their deathbed, the typical sadness and fear of one who is not ready to go forward, typically in sadness and fear of one who is not ready to go forward into the who knows what lies after this life, they are changed into certain hope and comfort that our eternal inheritance awaits. Which inheritance is further described by Paul in the beginning of verse 51. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must, has put on immortality. Then shall, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. The way Paul describes this change is that there's nothing more immediate or more dramatic. The word for moment here in the Greek is described as an indivisible segment of time. The smallest unit of measurement we currently know is a zeptosecond, a trillionth of a billionth of a second. But this change will be faster and more immediate even than that. And it will be a complete shift from one end of the righteousness spectrum to the other, from the unrestrained and indescribable corruption to unconditional and unassailable incorruption. In death, by faith in Christ, we are changed from weak, sinful mortals to perfect, glorious immortality. Because the law was fulfilled for us by Jesus, his perfection is transferred to us by his death. The law can no longer condemn us. If the law can no longer condemn us, sin no longer has any strength over us. And if sin has no strength over us, then death no longer has its sting, for it has now become the path to life. So Paul quotes this truth from the Old Testament prophet Hosea. O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? And he also quotes Isaiah. Death is swallowed up in victory. This is a change that we could never bring in a million years that Christ brings to us immediately by sending his Holy Spirit to create faith in our hearts. This faith clings in life and in death to this simple promise of our Lord. Whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And he who lives and believes in me shall never die. And what effect these truths have on our day-to-day -day life? Christ brings immediate change there, too. Because we have, all have loved ones, family and friends, who have been taken from this world before us, it makes us sad. Knowing there is an empty seat at the dinner table, it fills us with regret, wishing that we could have just had one more conversation. It shocks us with confusion when the fog of sleep dissipates and we realize once again that they won't be there for us today either. 
The change Christ brings in the promise of eternal life, he gives to all who come to him in humility. This is a change from sadness to sure hope. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 But I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. This is a change from regret to eager expectation. In Job 19, verses 25 to 27, For I know that my Redeemer lives. He shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that my flesh, that in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. How my heart yearns within me. This is a change from confusion to divine revelation through the word of God. In Colossians, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations now has been revealed to his saints. To them God willed to make known what are the riches of glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. As a result of this hope, this expectation, this enlightenment of the gospel, we can heed the apostles' encouragement in verse 58. Therefore, my brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Death can't stop the gospel, neither our death nor that of our loved ones. In fact, Death has now, in Christ, become the fulfillment of his gospel promise to us. In Revelation 14, we hear, Then I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Write, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. Our work of spreading this message of sinners saved has eternal significance for us and for those who we share it with. As God's ambassadors sent to explain sin, death, and salvation in Jesus, we point people to Christ, who alone has the words of eternal life. In this effort, we remain steadfast in his promises, immovable from the foundation of his word, abounding in our work just as his grace has abounded in us. And knowing that our labor is effective because his word is effective, which does not return to him void, but accomplishes its purpose. Due to mail-in voting, most voters in Washington state merely drop their ballot box, drop their ballot in a box at the library these days. But not so long ago, citizens across the nation would come out to churches in in droves in order to cast their vote in the hopes of seeing some real change. I wonder if any of them knew how close they were to real change as they stepped into God's house. Change that far exceeds even the most glorious plans of government officials and which don't take nearly as long to enact. 
because Christ brings immediate change. In death, we know that he will change our mortal bodies into glorified bodies on Judgment Day. In life, we know that he changes our sorrows and fears to joy and comfort by giving us his words of light and life. As the hymnist writes, in life it guides our way, in death it is our stay. And as Paul writes in verse 57 of our text, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. In his saving name, amen.